I'm just a radio girl. I love things that talk to me. You LOL. I did. I truly laughed out loud. Now, this may be the dumbest thing in the whole world, but it worked on me. There's a dog chasing a train. He and Fido. Hey, Natalie, how old are you? I will pray with you now. Before you leave, I have to pray with you. I'm here for the people in the hood. You know, Jesus is my very, very best friend. Pray without ceasing, which is not some sort of so heavy I can't do it command. It is this breath of fresh air that I am involved in what God is doing in the earth today. I'm Lisa. I'm great. Everything's fine. Somebody just wrote on my Facebook page, please get your mom on Facebook. We want to be her friend. Do you want to be on Facebook? What is that? Are you on Twitter? I talked to the mailman. Is that Twitter? <laughs> Life with Lisa Williams is like a cake. Run around in the sun. Exactly. Put a sprinkler in the yard. This is life. This is this, this, is, this is life. life. This is life. 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 This is Life with Lisa Williams. So she started down the road towards alcoholism when she was only 13 years old. And then bulimia became something to bring her comfort or control, but really all it brought was bondage. As time went on, Rebecca Carroll loved the Lord so very much, and yet she had addictions which caused her to lie, which caused... Um, an emptiness inside. And so if you haven't listened to the first two parts of her story, please stop what you're doing and go back and listen to part one and part two. And now in part three, we pick up with what Rebecca's husband said to her to get her attention. Yeah. So, so Mike sat me down and talked about who I was then and who I had been when he met me. And he, and when he met me, and it kind of makes me laugh now, I really was, um, I think I was really a nerd because in in his own words, he said, you were this little girl, you lived in uptown Dallas, and you had this radio job, and and all you ever talked about was the Bible and things you were discovering in Bible study and reading out of your journal. And and he said, and honestly, you just don't do that anymore. You know, I haven't seen you with your Bible in years. You don't have a journal. And, And the funny thing about that, that that sounds I can hear as I say it how that sounds funny. For me, connecting with God always happens in the quiet place with my Bible open and my journal open and a candle lit. And that is where the Lord and I meet. Um, you know, to to use terms from The Bachelor, that's our one-on-one time. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's when I hear him, you know, I mean, don't you think, Lisa, we can't hear him when there's when there's so much other input coming at us. Mm-hmm. Well, this whole idea of waiting on the Lord that he's been teaching me about, it just can't happen when you're, even for me, I can't even be driving. I mean, I can talk to the Lord when I'm driving. I can talk to the Lord all the time, but you're right. It has to be a still time to really be able to be with him. Well, that's how it would be with a, a boyfriend or a husband or a mm-hmm. best friend. I mean, you don't just talk right. to him. All. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I, all I can think about is the bachelor and getting a rose from Jesus now. But anyway, I'm distracted. Oh, <laughs> that's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I do. I get you. I, I understand what you mean. Yeah. And so I really took what my husband said to heart and I, I got a, a brand new spiral notebook and I, I made it a little project of mine to journal my way through the New Testament. And as I look back on that now, I, I think 
that that's an interesting thing to do because so many times when we open the Bible, what are we opening it for? What are we looking for? You know, we're looking for answers, but to approach it differently, to just kind of journey your way through a book and underline verses that speak to you and write them out and write notes about them. It's a different approach to the Bible because you are allowing the Bible to speak to you. And so instead of finding answers, I just found Jesus all over again in his perfection, his grace, and his mercy, in his redemptive love. And that's what started to change me on the inside. So then I got to a place with my drinking because through all of this, I still have an eating disorder. I was not practicing bulimia as much, but I was still absolutely obsessing about food, very unhealthy relationship with food, I'm still an alcoholic. And um, I was being very, very convicted over it. And every time I drank, it was less fun and more torture. You know, I think as Christians, what tends to happen to us is it becomes more and more painful to be outside of God's will. I mean, has that played true mm-hmm. for you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm just listening to you and, and immediately a, a movie starts to play in my mind of the different times in my life where it's the exact same thing. Things that brought you pleasure all of a sudden don't. And then they become like yuck, but you still do them. That's the weird part. Like, even though it became yucky to you and it was mm-hmm. not bringing you pleasure, you continue to drink, right? Because it's right. an addiction and mm-hmm. you, you obsess over it, right? You you oh. You know, you shouldn't, but you think about it and you think about it and then you actualize it and then you do it and then you feel bad and then you you think about it again, right? Mm -hmm. That's the exact mind of an addict. I mean, Mm -hmm. really addicts, what they're doing is they are self-medicating. And you, it might start with just a bad season. It might start with a series of bad choices. And then the residual pain from those choices causes you to medicate. And then, you know, you self-medicate with alcohol or with drugs and you make more bad decisions and you get yourself in more of a mess. And so then you drink more and it really just becomes this cycle. And then you become physiologically addicted. Yes. And so for instance, um, once we had kids, it was, it was not quite as easy to be an alcoholic. (laughs) It became a little more difficult for me. And and I want to say, I, I was never at a place of waking up and putting vodka in my coffee. By the time I stopped drinking, I was not drinking every day. I didn't get drunk every time I drank, but I never knew when I would have an epic train wreck of a night. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so here's an example. Um, and this is actually, this is the last day I ever drank. I'll tell you the story. So my husband and I would go to Cowboys games with a big group of friends. And so we would tailgate beforehand and they were our party friends. Well, I think it was like on a Monday, I started just feeling really, really anxious about the following game on Sunday. And I told my husband midweek, I said, okay, I'm not going to drink. And I made a big deal out of it. I was like, I'm not going to drink. So don't bring anything for me and don't say anything about it. And we'll just let it go. And, And he's just looking at me like, so just don't drink, you know, because he didn't know. He didn't know my struggle. Wow, and, and he's so, your spouse, so nobody knew. If yeah. he didn't know, nobody knew, but Jesus, right? Nobody knew your struggle. Addicts are the best liars in the world. Yeah. It, it's so sad. And I, you know, I look back on just how much deceit. I was living in such deceit, and it's such a prison. There's so much to keep track of. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so hard on our hearts, not to be honest. 
And so as the week went on, I was just getting more and more anxious about whether or not I would drink on Sunday. And I, I kind of laugh as I tell it because it's so ridiculous, but this was like the biggest thing in my life that week. And so I had all this resolve and I told my husband in advance that I wasn't going to drink. And so we got to Sunday and I didn't drink, right? No, oh. I, I had... <laughs> two drinks in the car on the way to the game. I had another drink uh, before the game. I drank, f I, I had four drinks during the game. I had a drink per quarter. I remember it very well. Wow. <laughs> oh, I, I wish I was done. Drank a couple more after the game. And now I want you to keep in mind by this point in my drinking, um, part of being an alcoholic, oftentimes you black out. I would black out after one drink, after one drink. But I remember everything about that night. I remember fighting with my husband on the way home. I remember him kind of shuffling me past the babysitter because he didn't want me to talk to her. I remember tripping as I went up the stairs and laughing. I remember stumbling down the hall toward my daughter's bedroom. I remember leaning over my daughter to kiss her goodnight. And I remember her scrunching her face and turning away because mommy smelled like booze. And I wake up the next morning and I work, I was, you know, working in morning radio. And so I was in country music at this time, but I, I, my alarm goes off and I wanted to die for about 60 different reasons. And I get in the car and I'm driving to work and I am miserable, Lisa. And here's why I'm so miserable. It wasn't because I was so, so hungover and I was, wasn't because I'd fought with my husband because I did. It was because I knew I had hurt the Lord. I had hurt the Lord. And I couldn't ask Him to forgive me. Why not? Why couldn't Rebecca ask God to forgive her on tomorrow's Life with Lisa Williams? I hope you can listen to part four tomorrow with Rebecca Carroll. Find out more about Rebecca and her life on the radio in Dallas and a book that she's written and her speaking events when you come to lifewithlisawilliams.com. You can find out more about Rebecca Carroll. While I'm on vacation this week, I am so thankful for my friends, Devin and Melanie, for keeping things running, and to executive producer, Paul Goldsmith. Hashtag thanks for listening.